Mm -hmm. Hey, so it worked. So, okay. Can you hear me okay? You are focused too much on the technicalities, right? So you're focusing on the process right now, not the idea. So. Can you hear me okay, Kaylin? That's the, tr again, that's the trick, right? Like. You are getting into the, and not just you, other people are getting into I want you to dream. Caitlin, can you hear me okay? Right. It, it's, it's, a, it's a dream. It's not a how-to video. It's not a how-to speech. It's not. Okay. All right, so you wanted to talk specifically about this risk factors and risk statistics article. Um, what were the things that kind of challenged you the most? Um, I guess I've always just kind of had trouble with the stats portion. So just reading something was really hard to convince people. Hello, OJ Gordon. Others kind of put through an not. You're talking the whole, you can connect with the entire world. I'm trying to pull it up um, so side by side. Really keep I just thought it was funny. I think I remember reading somewhere and it was like, the risk factors statistics like always be confusing the practitioners or something like you that in it. And that's like, generalized well, okay, that made me not feel as bad about what I just read if they're still confused. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely think their goal was to try to make um, make the article or make statistics easier to understand. And I think the other thing they did was try to warn you against statistics that aren't really clinically meaningful. Um, and one, I mean, for me, I um, I focused on kind of two. Key things that when I'm reading an article, I really want to be able to see. Um, so yeah, right, right. I don't want to read an article where somebody's talking about risks, right. risk right. statistics, and then they draw the conclusions that X they, causes Y because of like what I'm reading, because these studies are really association right. only. So or they're they, really they about the relationship between variables. So they're like correlational studies versus like cause and effect studies. Like so they're essentially they, saying this is a risk question. factor. Have you ever, and it's uh, can be predictive that something can happen, but if it happens, why isn't an automatic outcome, right? If X happens, why isn't an automatic outcome? Is that making sense? Yeah. So that's specific enough, but it's like what I was trying to get to, but I think you're going to hit home with something because it is related to someone in that class, and it brings it back to the local. The inquiry made sense. The odds. 
I think it was kind of just, let's use social media I, I reread it this morning that in my notes and it made a little more sense this time, but know. going through like the first two readings, I literally had question marks next to it and I still just had like a huh question mark. Um, right. So sorry, if, I was, it's okay. Right. So, um, right the kind of concept of risk by itself is really right. the proportion of people within a sample right. population that have a condition, right? So it'd be like right. there are 10 athletes on a football team with 10 player, I mean, 100 players, and 10 people have an ankle sprain, then that's the risk. Right. Like 10% or 0. 0.10. A thousand people in right? 140 yeah. characters. Every and then everything kind of stems from that original risk what if you had a chance and you could assessment every single time? right so the every risk ratio is the risk of injured versus the risk of uninjured people in person but it is creating okay. a perception and that's so is the kind of thing, like an equation they want us to your message is whatever that is, of that right whether that's DAT, whether that's professional life whether you're an idiot Right. Like, together and then you also submit it so that gets into rate a little bit um but the one thing that you should know is that i'm never going to have you calculate these things unless this ends up being a practice-based research project right. for you or it's something you do for your traditional research project so rarely ever are clinicians calculating risk because um your sample population is too small and it's really homogeneous. Right. So even if I looked at football players at ISU, right, they're a homogeneous population. They have very similar characteristics. Uh, it's even worse when you think about saying statistics right. like right. all the linemen have ACL tears, right? Then you're really only talking about 10 people and like two of yeah. them have it. And yeah. when you do stats with that few people, you're saying there's a 20% chance that somebody's going to tear, tear their ACL because the sample population is too small. So, so yes, as a clinician, when you're doing practice-based research or assessing risk, say for instance, you've got um, some things like a surface problem, right? So you've got uh, a, a, a astroplay type surface and you wanna look at what's the risk within the population you probably want to use your entire sample of outdoor sports instead of just the linemen, right? Because then you can get a more heterogeneous population. Um, but really risk is, and the risk ratio are trying to figure out what's the probability the athlete or the patient will get hurt. But you are mentioning time. And so time is, a, is how you calculate rate. Um, and it's usually the number of injuries divided by the total number of exposures. And exposures can get really complicated because you're talking about the total number of athletes and the total number of um, actual exposures. And you can also fit in physical time. So, um, yeah, so it was like, how do you put that into it? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like in the secondary setting, a lot of parents will ask that question. Like if my daughter or son plays this but then i want them to play this later what are the chances that they're going to get hurt playing this and then they're not able to play what they really want 
So I think that's why I focus more on that because that was more something relatable that yeah. I could do pull out from from the article rather than the rest of it. I was like, oh, okay, how am I gonna pull from it? So um, I, maybe I should post this article, but I actually published an article in the American Journal of Sports Medicine with some colleagues that looked at the difference between your risk if you participated for heat illness, if you participated in a two-hour practice versus a three-hour practice, and the risk like quadruples. So, um, and that's based on this idea of um, risk ratio, like what, what, how does the risk ratio increase? And so, um, just thinking about the, the total number of injured versus the total yes. number of uninjured yeah. and so then the considering adding time. And so athlete exposures are almost always so reported as like per 1,000 athlete exposures. So say, I'm not good at math, so I'm going to do um, use calculator. <laughs> no worries. But say, for instance, you've got um, 250 athletes and each of them had 250 practices the total number of athlete exposures as you can see that that's backwards uh, is 62,500 so say for instance the total number of injuries is like 15 you would do 15 divided by 62.5 and that would give but you'd have to do it based on like a thousand athlete exposures so again not a calculation you're going to spend your time doing but knowing like if the risk is is like i think like the risk for heat stroke is pretty low it's like one for every with costs, thousand uh, athlete exposures, but the, the risk for heat units. heat cramps or exercise associated muscle cramps is like ten loss. per ten thousand or right. so per thousand athlete like exposures. So if you've got a hundred uh, patients and you're in your tenth practice but, but over preseason, the there's a chance you had ten incidents of exercise associated muscle cramps. Does that make sense? If yeah. you work, if you work based on tens, it all makes sense. Yeah, I was like, if everything could be 10, that makes it easy. But when it's not a 10, then you're like, mm. <laughs> Right, but if you think about, like, I think the hard part is trying to translate into the total number of athlete exposures. If you don't know your total number of patients and you don't know the total number of practices, it's hard to figure out what the number of athlete exposures your patients are being exposed to. But, I mean, I think a thousand athlete exposures is really not that much right a hundred person football team 10 days of practice say we're doing two a days which in ncaa we're not allowed to do anymore but secondary schools right. and soccer do two and three a days you're talking about by day five i should have had right. 10 incidents if it's one per a thousand athlete exposures for a heat stroke and i'm and we have like the intensity and frequency right. well, of these practices, the, then there's a chance that by day five, I might have a heat stroke. Just one. Is that making sense? Time. Yeah, so it, it is. takes you okay. 12 and a half minutes. You're going to round up. Um, I thought right. they did so a really good job of talking about how the odds ratios were not a statement of likelihood or probability and not a risk ratio and so not always very helpful to the clinician they're a statistical thing that maybe not so helpful to the reading clinician yeah i kind of put like a an x through that paragraph as like okay i don't even want to pay attention to that if they're saying that 
But then right. at the same time, I was like, bring that up. Like, uh, should I ask her if that's okay, crossing out and just kind of ignore that portion? Well, I think part of it's clinical expertise too, right? So you've got really smart people telling you, hey, this is not going to help you in clinical practice. Okay. Yeah. I was like, okay, if you think that sound that cool, make it easy, and I put the line through it. Yeah. I thought their explanation for hazard and mean time to injury was really helpful. It pretty much just helped place um, like how many days it's like until I see an injury. So that was helpful for the mean time to injury. And then kind of the, the risk per unit of time for the hazard, I thought I could put that into, into practice or into how I was thinking about practices and, and games. Were you okay yeah, with those I, two? I think I kind of, right, so, I think I kind of struggled yeah. with that area a little bit. Um, um, so I think it's the middle of that first paragraph there. The value of hazard changes the scale per unit right. of time. So that risk still exists, but it's the risk per unit so of time. All, all of the, so all of those things are things that are um, yeah, I have that. Like, because mind. what's going to happen is you're going to get there and you're going to say, oh, wow, I worked so 40 hours. So basically they're but saying, I think it was like, just like you know, and it, all the decimals that they had in there with the date the goal, and then the year. I think that's kind of like, okay, that kind of went over my head a little bit and had to read right? it. So, so think about it this way. You're going to have 8.5 injuries that are related to that hypermobility happen in a year. So you can attribute that hypermobility to those eight injuries over the course of a year. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I, that's when I pulled out. I was like, okay, maybe in 43 days. I might have one person who has it. And I try to like just bypass the per day, per week, per month, because I was like, let's go to the bigger numbers to make sense of it. <laughs> so that's actually the difference between the hazard and the mean time to injury. The mean time to injury is what really matters to you. You're saying, how many days can I go by without this being a potential risk or being a potential injury? Where the injury hazard is essentially saying how many incidents you would have in one day or in a week. Is that making sense? So they're both a yeah. function of time. One is saying the total number of injuries. One is saying the total number of time. Okay. So like as potentially in the day, the total number that you would have would be the point twenty three. But if you're looking at the overall ratio, eight and a half potentially in a year. Right. Okay. So they're both That's hazard. Look at it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They're both a function of time. They're just explaining the concept differently. Okay. Yeah. I think when I got to that part, then I was just like, "What did I just read? And how did that make sense to me?" But okay, I think when that, you break it down and you look at it that, and it, you start to talk about it that way, it makes a whole lot more sense than yes. even some of the risk ratios and stuff like that. Because what does point one five mean to me? Right, like this is the risk, yeah, 0.15. But what does that mean for like, if it's, if it's, in my practice, okay what is the most meaningful thing? And I can say, okay, so if this is a 0.5 risk, I'm gonna see this many okay. types of patients in this many days. So think about it, if it's like a concussion, if the risk is much higher, then you're gonna see more in a single day, right. and you're gonna have less days to see the injury. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. 
So I actually think those two sets, even if they're more, most complicated in terms of how they explain them, they're actually the most meaningful to you as a clinician. By me getting eyes on it, I think it'll help. Maybe I, I would agree with that. So injury has in there as part of the calculation. Like the one that kind of put like action like, to like like those are important, right but now, then but the hazard was the part that I was still getting kind of confused with the numbers, how to like make that correlate to how I would refine their own use that or be able to tweak to this, which. Better I don't know my work right now. Kind of just process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's still kind of early over here. <laughs> oh, no worries. No worries at all. But Any... yeah, just talking about that hazard that cleared it up a lot more. Cause when at first, when I was just reading, I was like, that doesn't really make sense. Good. Good. Any but other questions? I think uh, no, that top uh, top was pretty much think, the main part that I was so having trouble. Um, just rereading it again after not looking at it for a couple days, I think that that just helped too. Um, and our development Good. officer, Greg Halls. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And sorry for having the trouble of like connecting earlier today. No worries. I didn't expect to have to wait 45 minutes. 